Most nonprofits choose a name intentionally, whether it relates to your mission, your founder, or your area of service. If you're deciding on a name for your organization or a new program, there are some specific considerations and steps you should take before claiming a name. In this episode of the PBPA podcast, Creighton Farmer will guide us through legal considerations and selecting a name for a nonprofit. Hello and welcome to the PBPA podcast. In each episode of the PBPA podcast, we explore legal questions relevant to Georgia nonprofits. I'm your host, Sarisha Gunta, Counsel and Education Director at the Pro Bono Partnership of Atlanta. PBPA strengthens our community by engaging volunteer attorneys to provide nonprofits with free business legal services. We provide numerous free resources via our website, including articles and webcasts specific to Georgia nonprofits and their business legal concerns. We also provide direct legal services to our clients. For more information on client eligibility requirements to apply to be a client or to access our VAST Learning Center, visit our website at pbpatl.org. Before we jump into this episode's topic, keep in mind that this podcast is general information, not legal counsel. Contact your attorney for guidance on your nonprofit's specific situation. Creighton Frommer is a longtime PBPA volunteer. He's chief counsel of intellectual property at Relics Group. And over the more than 10 years that Creighton has volunteered with PBPA, he has helped numerous clients with IP matters and spoken on the topic in webcasts and now in this podcast episode. Thanks for being here today, Creighton. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So Creighton, when a nonprofit is just starting out, their focus is to find funds and to support their mission. Where should branding and name selection fit in as a nonprofit is just starting out? It is a, uh, an important piece. I know the registration and setup of the corporation comes first, and your corporation name doesn't have to meet, match your trademark name. But pretty soon after you register your corporation, I think you're going to want to develop a name that can be a brand, and it's going to help shape the identity and encourage early supporters and developing a, a name that's available and reflects upon your nonprofit well is, is key to the development of it. And Craig, what makes a good name for a trademark? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of use the word trademark and brand interchangeably, Sharisha, because it's, okay. you know, they're, they're basically the same thing. A trademark is just kind of the legal form of a brand. Um, and there's a couple different ways to approach, you know, finding a good mark or a good brand. It's there's some organizations that like to pick something very arbitrary and kind of unique to what they're doing that doesn't, that they can kind of fill that identity with what their nonprofit does. Like in the, in the retail world, like the word Nike or Apple for computers, these are brands that don't describe what they're selling. And so the market sort of uh, through marketing and investment, you kind of fill that name with what you want it to mean. But I think more common for nonprofits is a name that suggests what, what your organization does. So if you take pro bono partnership, you know, it's 
it suggests that it's working with pro bono work and it's partnering people together. It's a, it's a unique name in Georgia. We work with like home stretch, you know, it, it helps people, you know, it connects people with homes that, uh, that need help or habitat for humanity. You know, it's, these are names that don't exactly describe what they do. Um, because if you completely describe what your organization is doing, you won't be able to get trademark protection. Um, but if you take like Habitat for Humanity, if you, it was called instead Homes for People Who Need Homes, <laughs> something something very generic. You know, people use those words all the time to describe what, what that provides. So that's not a good trademark. But if you just take that one step that makes people use a bit of a mental leap from the name to what you're actually doing, those can make the best trademarks. And what about a logo? Logos, you can, um, you can pick logos that also are unique. And I think that's, that's one aspect of the name too that I, I didn't really mention is, is it must be exclusive to your organization. And we'll talk a little bit more about, I'm sure, you know, how exclusivity works. But um, for a logo, it's important that, that the brand, your identity is included with the logo. So, you know, it may be something simple. Um, it may be something that maybe the shape of the logo reflects something along the lines of what your nonprofit is doing. But the main thing is it just should be unique to and, and identify your organization. You don't want it to conflict or be confusing with other logos. And, and frankly, sometimes people change logos over time. You know, so you know, if you think about different companies that we all know, you know, logos evolve. So the main thing I think is to, to pick a good word mark, a good word trademark. And then, you know, over time, you may find a logo that, that fits your needs. But uh, I think the main focus should be on the, the word mark. And can you explain what is a word mark versus a trademark? So, I mean, a, a word mark just being a trademark that is a word or a phrase. So like pro bono partnership, like Habitat Humanity, these are all word marks. Um, what are not word marks would be like a tagline or a logo. So uh, I think in McDonald's, you know, I'm loving it. You know, that, that's a, a tagline that can also be a trademark. You know, maybe a nonprofit would want to have a tagline. I don't think that's uh, very common normally, but, but it's possible to have a tagline as a trademark. Um, and then, like I said, a, of course, a, a logo uh, would be a different type of trademark. You can also get a trademark on if you're producing products or materials, kind of the style and design of, of those materials. But uh, for, for most nonprofits, I think the, the focus is the word mark. And does a nonprofit need to register a trademark for their name or logo? Yeah, this is a good question. It's one I think we hear a lot from nonprofits. When we look out into the commercial world, you know, having a trademark registration to protect it from other competitive organizations is very important. In the nonprofit space, it's also important, but it but you don't maybe have the same competitive um, challenges that you do in, in the commercial world, but you can still register a trademark. Uh, so there are three levels, basically, when you look at a trademark. You can get a federal registration, which is with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, and that registration will cover you nationally for your name. Um, it involves an examination process with the USPTO, and uh, it costs you know several hundred dollars, plus usually some legal work uh, to, to get a, a U.S. federal registration. Um, the next level would be, and I think this is a, makes a good one for a lot of small to medium nonprofits in Georgia would be a, a state registration. So you can file with the state of Georgia and they have their own trademark office. It's um, less than $100. You can put your name on the list and it'll be considered for a straight state trademark. Um, both 
put the world basically on notice that that you've got it registered, you've got the trademark. Um, if you if somebody else has a, a a similar name that's confusing, you can point them back to that trademark registration and say, "See, I've got it registered. Somebody else has accepted my name as my trademark." Um, and then there is the option uh, here in the United States of what we call a common law or unregistered trademark. So if you have, whether it's a logo or a word mark or a tagline, you don't have to register it. And you can still get trademark rights essentially immediately upon use. So once you start using that name, that brand to um, solicit donations, provide services, the term we use in the, in the law is use it in commerce. Although for a nonprofit, commerce is you know, loosely defined, but once you use it to, to collect money or to provide services, then you basically have started collecting trademark rights in it. So that's a great way for a nonprofit to start using a new brand, not feeling like they have to jump right into registration, especially if it's a new nonprofit, they don't have maybe the funds or the time to devote to, to getting a trademark registration. Um, they can just start using it, uh, collect some trademark rights. And then when they're ready, uh, look at registration. You know, I think going back to the word mark being the most important, I think if you do look to registration, you want to look first to your word mark. You know, when I work with clients, a lot of times we'll say, you know, if it's a logo that's a temporary logo or especially taglines, which are often temporary in nature, it's really often not worth getting a registration, at least a federal registration. You might still get a, a state registration, but it depends on kind of your needs and risks. And I, uh, these are some of the considerations that I think a nonprofit would want to look at. And I do also want to mention that we have um, a great article on this topic um, that Creighton helped out with talking about these various options available to nonprofits as they're trying to determine um, what type of trademark registration or not to register their name or logo. And I'm gonna include a link to that article in this episode's webpage. And speaking about web pages or websites, websites are also very important for a new organization. Creighton, tell us how does a domain name relate to a trademark? It's an interesting connection because if you think about how people access your information about your nonprofit, it's most likely through the domain name. It's through the website nowadays. You know, it's, it's uh, anybody can pull it up on their phone or their computer. And the first thing they're going to do is do a Google search or a, a Bing search or whatever they're using and find your nonprofit. And the first thing they're gonna look at is the domain. And so that domain name should reflect your brand identity. Um, and so when it goes to, when you're selecting a, your initial word mark, your initial trademark for your organization, I would say the first thing you probably wanna do is look to see is the domain name available? You know, is there a version of that, of that name that you can get as a domain name that's not already taken? And make sure that you pick a name that, that can, be, can be registered as a domain. Uh, it's sort of like the, uh, the front door you know, essentially of your, of your nonprofit. You want to have the trademark reflected in the domain name. And then if you do see others, uh, once you have a trademark, um, if you see others using your domain name, uh, or sorry, using your trademark in a domain name, there are certain rights you can have to help reclaim that domain name if somebody's using it in bad faith. And hopefully, you know, for organizations that PVPA works with and, and you would not be running into the situation normally, <laughs> but, uh, but those options are available. So I think from a, from a nonprofit perspective, the main goal is to make sure that the domain name is, uh, reflects your trademark. And you may also want to consider getting different variations of the domain name. So of course, we're all used to working with .com or .org for a nonprofit. So 
you know, making sure you can register both the .org and the .com, but there may be other versions you may want to get, um, you know, if you're abbreviated in the domain name, you may want to get a version that's not abbreviated, just to make sure that somebody doesn't come in and try to take a similar domain name, just causing confusion for people that are trying to find your, your organization. Okay, so we've talked about domain names and trademarks and logos on word marks. One thing I want to ask is how does this tie into a corporate name? Do you have the option to have your brand name be, does it have to be exactly the same as your corporate name or can you have some flexibility with that? And then do you have to do a DBA registration? How does that work? Yeah. So when you're doing a, a corporate name, you're right, you may pick whatever you want um, that, that's available in the corporate name database. And that's a much more looking for equal matches between names. So as long as somebody hasn't basically registered that exact same name as your corporation, then it should be available and you should be able to register that corporation name. Then when you pick a, a trademark, when you're comparing your trademark to other trademarks that are existing, it's a standard of not an exact match, but a likelihood of confusion. So you can have you know different spellings or different sounds, and that's how you can check availability of a trademark. But yes, you can pick any trademark, no matter what the, the corporate name is. If you have a uh, a trademark that is different than your corporate name, and you're you probably will want to work and make sure that you're using the corporate name for your corporate purposes. You know, in contracts and in you know signing materials, any sort of kind of legal purpose. You know, if you think about it, your your corporate name is like your your full name as a person, and your trademark is like maybe your nickname, and people may call you that, but you would always use your full legal name in, in legal materials. Now, if you want to use your nickname, your trademark um, as your name, in, in, then you would want to look at um, you know, a, a fictitious business name. And, and there are some, some nuances there. You may want to talk to PBPA to, to, to help figure out the, the best way to use those because there are some nuances and it's, it, it can be, um, it's maybe tough to get your head wrapped around the, different, the three different ways of using those names. But for the most part, and for these purposes, you know, you can pick a trademark that is completely different, has nothing to do with your corporate name. You just don't, don't want to use your trademark as your corporate name <laughs> unless, unless you've gone through those uh, processes. And so once a nonprofit has its name and logo and maybe even a domain name set for its website, Creighton, um, what's next as the organization grows? What should they do to protect and grow their brand? Yeah, so a brand. When I work with folks, you know, a brand is almost like, um, you know, almost like a child. I mean, it's it's something that uh, of the of the organization of, and of the founder, and it's it's got it builds its own identity. Um, you'll have kind of a brand voice, you know, that all reflects the reputation and the goodwill of of your organization. And so you need to take care of it, um, make sure it's managed well, um, and that it reflects and continues to reflect as as your organization grows that growth. So one of the main things we look at from a legal perspective is, is making sure that others are not using your brand without your authority. Um, organizations can sometimes get into trouble with uh, essentially uh, allowing others to use the trademark without approval and then losing the trademark rights because the whole nature of a trademark is there's only one and only source coming from that, from that uh, provider, from that, from that trademark. You know, if you think of Coca-Cola, there's only one 
company, there's only one organization that can provide Coca-Cola. Now they may license other companies to use uh, Coca-Cola, but it's all originally coming from the, the home Coca-Cola. They, they have control over whatever has their brand. And so when you think about using it and controlling the, the mark, there's, there's one example that happened. Actually, it was in the, in the nonprofit space of uh, an organization called FreeCycle in California, where you know, it was an organization that supported the giving away of materials. You know, maybe instead of recycling it uh, and turning it into, back to its original parts, giving them away and letting people reuse different items. And they had different chapters around California, but there was no control over what those chapters were doing and how they worked and how they operated from the home. And they essentially lost their trademark rights because the quote unquote market, the, the people that saw FreeCycle didn't know what they were going to get when they saw that brand. That's sort of the worst option. And it's very rare, but as an organization uh, director, you want to make sure that you're not letting others use your name without you having oversight of how that use is and that it fits your standards. Um, you know, every organization has different standards of quality and um, yeah, professionalism that, that they want to maintain. And so that needs to be consistent across all uses. And the only way to do that is to either produce whatever content it is yourself or authorize and review content that, um, that others are using and putting your brand on. Similar to that, um, your name being used by others, what is a nonprofit supposed to do if they see another organization with their um, same name? Yeah, these can be difficult situations um, because, as I mentioned, it, you know, trademarks often do get sort of treated like somebody's children and, and they become emotionally tied to them. And so if another organization comes up with a name, you know, it usually happens in parallel. Where there's, no, there's no malicious intent. It's just two organizations may have the same idea of what a great brand is, and they may come up with the same name or very, something very similar. Like I said, it's a likelihood of confusion test. And basically, then it comes down to which one was first, who has senior rights. And so if your organization was first and you believe that there's confusion, frankly, I think you, you would want to talk with PBPA <laughs> because getting into a dispute about a trademark is a complicated question. You know, the, there are legal elements to what is likelihood of confusion. And so you want to talk with an attorney to help you navigate. Is there really confusion? Is there not confusion? And how to approach the other party? Because most of the time, there's not, it's not malicious. It's not intentional. Parties will need to work out some sort of arrangement to, uh, to make sure that they can, you know, the junior party, if there really is confusion, can change its name. And so the, the senior trademark owner may work with counsel and send either what we call like a cease and desist notice in, in some instances, or maybe just pick up the phone and help explain that we've got our trademark rights that are earlier than, than when you've created and there's confusion. So we're going to ask you to, to basically phase it out, to change it. Um, if you don't do that, then you can lose your trademark rights because you won't be the only provider. It goes back to exclusivity. So there is an element that you can't really ignore situations like that. Now, trademarks do operate geographically. And so, you know, if, if another organization is in another state and is not operating in, for the same uh, beneficiaries and working with the same donation pool, they're operating independently and they may just to be two organizations that in parallel provide the same service and don't uh, conflict with each other and there's no confusion. But if they are also within your jurisdiction, your area, and there's 
maybe people who receive mail from both of them or uh, receive benefits from both of them. There's clearly going to be some confusion between those two organizations. And it's something, again, you'll want to work with PBPA to, to help address. Uh, and frankly, sooner rather than later, it's not something you want to sit on. Um, you know, within, you know, within a matter of days or weeks, you want to work with an attorney to, to help resolve that. And that would be a situation where a nonprofit should not send a letter themselves to the other organization. They really should reach out to counsel for assistance with that. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to reach out to counsel because there are a lot of ways to, to solve it. And there are a lot of, like I said, trademark law is a very subjective area, which makes it fun to, to practice in. But there are a lot of things to consider, like with markets and who came first. The last thing an organization wants to do is send a notice letter or, or some sort of complaint to a party who says and saying, you need to change your trademark because they're confusing. And the other party says, uh, actually, we were here first. You need to change your trademark. And it happens in the real world where you know, the, the party who thought they were the winner uh, was actually the loser and ends up losing their trademark. Any other tips, Creighton? You know, working with counsel at the beginning, you know, if, if when you are developing your new organization um, or developing an, a new brand or a new trademark, just to talk through the ideas of, of, of what you want to pick uh, can be very helpful. Even if you don't want to register it, they can, uh, uh, good trademark counsel can help with searches. You know, you can look online yourself first when you're looking for new marks and just see if who else is using that name. If anybody else is using that name for nonprofit services, are they using them for nonprofit services in your area? Um, has it already been taken? Going back to the domain name, is the domain name available? And then um, some, a bit of legal investment and a little bit of legal work in the beginning can help in the long run to avoid you having to, to change your name later when it gets much more expensive to rebrand and recreate a, a different brand identity. I, th I think the, the other thing would be when we look at trademarks, it's, um, it is a subjective area. You know, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of versions of, of marks out there. So, you know, from time to time, we, we might get questions. Well, I, I see, like I said, I see this, um, this other name out there. They're operating in my space, but they're maybe in Montana uh, or they may be in New York. And it goes back to, I was saying that, um, you know, geography and, and markets do have a lot to do with, with how you protect your trademark. So don't jump into something that, uh, you know, when it comes to me creating a dispute or creating something that, that maybe um, it's something we just have to live with as a, as a nonprofit. Creighton, thank you for being here today to share your time and expertise with us. You really help to clarify a lot of these questions. Um, we always appreciate your insight. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. And uh, it's always enjoyed working with you, Sarisha, and uh, PBPA. Thanks. We hope that you found this episode of the PBPA podcast to be informative and helpful. We add new episodes every month with short conversations about general yet important legal information for Georgia nonprofits. Remember that this is not legal counsel. Talk to your attorney about your organization's specific concerns. Thanks for tuning into the PBAPA podcast. And to all nonprofits listening out there, thank you for all the good work you continue to do in our community. 